And we're live. Episode Barely. Bar- yeah. Live or alive? Because <laughs> we are barely alive. We are hanging on by a goddamn string. Yeah, so much for... You know, it's funny. We talked about this briefly last time. Like, people have this misconception. Like, is it when the clock goes from like eleven fifty nine, you know, in two thousand twenty, and then it, it clicks over? Like, all of a sudden, two thousand twenty one is supposed to be like some miracle. Like, everything's all the problems are washed away. Instead, we got a couple days out of it. Yep, it's been a doozy so far. I've seen. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's been a a meme uh, going around on the internet where it says. Uh, or there's well, there's a couple. There's one of a picture um, from uh, the scene from that movie that Joaquin Phoenix uh, starred in, The Joker, and he's showing one of the clowns from It, and like he's kind of like so you can see like he's talking to him on the staircase, and it says oh, yeah. uh, 2020 is showing 2021 around the workplace. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that one. There's a, it, there's been memes aplenty. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. Yeah, without one, a doubt. Okay, what is with this guy? that had i don't know if he's a a buffalo sabers fan or <laughs> buffalo bills fan i don't know what he is running around wearing like an animal skin like he's in the the revenant and I, yeah I it's like uh, it's weird it's like it's like a mixture of of the revenant hybridized with braveheart and then it's like they had a threesome with Flavor Flav. <laughs> Minus the clock. That's all his costume was missing. The, the costume was just missing the clock. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is 2021. I mean, uh, there was other... Uh, you know, after we, we finished last episode, I was kind of just plugging through headlines and seeing, like, what are we going to talk about next week? You know, it, this Corona thing, we're still unrolling the, the vaccinations. I mean, it's been, that's been one thing that's going on, but then January 6th happened three Kings day. Yeah. Ratification of, of the electoral votes mm-hmm. in, in this whole thing kicks off. I mean, it's insanity. I mean, you know, th- there's so many talking points just to come out. I mean, Number one, how, how is it that, you know, somebody that looks like a character from Jumanji, along with all his other constituents, is able to just walk into the Capitol while it's in session? It's mind blowing. But I, 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 see well, where you're, we, I see where you're going. And uh, yeah, it's definitely, a, a, what is that, a bottle of Remy Martin? What is that? It is actually. Yeah, I got, I, I honestly don't remember when I got this. Okay, it's in fact so old that the label actually fell off the front of it, like the glue just doesn't hold it together anymore. Kind of like the time between, kind of, kind of like, uh, kind of like the, the glue that's trying to hold together civilization nowadays. Just yeah, ain't there's working plenty anymore. of analogies that could be made with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, funny you should ask. So I, I decided to. So I inadvertently opened this up on Christmas Eve, uh, thinking that it was actually champagne because it said on it cognac champagne so dummy me i was like hey eh, it's got champagne written on it let's open it up let's try it out i pour a little bit of it in a champagne glass i'm like this doesn't look like champagne it's not really fizzy i'm like but it is old maybe it just went flat I'm like but it's a little darker than champagne maybe it's not champagne so yeah so so i, I give it to my wife to, to give it a test run and she's like no i'm not drinking this 
And I try and I was like, oh yeah, it's definitely cognac. So I had to run downstairs with less than a minute left before midnight, pull a bottle of Prosecco out of the wine fridge, uh, uh, uncork it and run upstairs with it and just start chugging it right at, right at midnight. Yeah, that would, that's a little bit of a different sensation than chugging a glass of Remy Martin. Yeah, yeah, I probably would have died if I chugged this. But yeah, I've had this for but a while. But it would have primed you for what 2021 20, is about to bring. Oh, yeah, I probably would have started coughing, would have come out of my nose, and I just my sinuses would have been burning all night. Yeah, uh, I broke out my Basil Hayden's because uh, I like it. And uh, why not? Fuck it. So, <laughs> right? I mean, we already hit the iceberg. Might, might as well just pull out all the stops. Seriously, and the band plays on. Oh, so and it plays that. louder as we're, yep. <laughs> Salud. <laughs> Oh boy. So, yeah. As I was saying, I mean, this whole thing, it's, it's crazy. It's almost, I mean, of, of course something like this happens and, and then it's just conspiracies theory central, right? They're just, they're coming every which way, you know, there's finger pointing, you know? Oh, absolutely. Thing that I, the first thing that happened. You know, I, I was watching a little Hannity earlier and I was actually pretty happy to hear uh, the fact that, you know, there was, there was, you know, what happened yesterday was condemned, you know, equally as much as, you know, they were condemning all the riots and, and everything that happened over the summer and everything like that. So I was, I was happy to hear that. The fact is, is that I, I, I've heard too many people say that they can't believe this happened. And I, oh, I, I think that's surprised me at all. No, I no. Mean, and in fact, of... even on this podcast, we've talked about civil war, Yeah, you know, and, and this is, this is what happens, you know, and things are going so far left eventually things start to go so far right and i was happy to hear that trump he condemned what happened yesterday as well um changing his stance pretty much completely and saying that you know he he's conceding he's handing it over to biden he's he's aiming for a smooth transition on the 20th yeah um i mean there, there's some takeaways to this well but it's definitely it's a step in the right direction right? without a doubt but i mean i would i would remind the audience of what i suggested over the summer when the riots started after the whole George Floyd, basically murder, there's nothing else to really, there's no other way to really describe what happened to him by the, by the police officers in Minneapolis. Um, you know, why did the rioting start and all that other stuff? And yeah, you could come up with your own conspiracy theories, a lot of it is staged and there's bad actors and provocateurs and all this other stuff, fine, whatever. But let, let's say it's, it's organic and and black people are just really pissed off about what happened and they have no other avenue of expressing their frustration because nobody was listening to them so just like that it was podcast number 10 that we did with tiger mills we talked about this and i and i i heard a saying a day or so before we we went we we recorded that particular session there's an african proverb that said a child who is shunned by its village will burn it to the ground just to feel its warmth. Okay. So that applies not only to what happened over the summer during those riots, but you can say it kind of applies this time around as well. Now, you sure, you could go into deep analysis with this and you could say there might have been some provocateurs that did this yesterday and the majority of the crowd was there peacefully protesting the election results and all this other stuff, blah, 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 whatever. 
let's just say organically, it, it really erupted in them trying to storm the Capitol building because they are pissed off. Well, it's the same principle. I mean, when you, when you have one side that demonizes the other, no matter which direction it's going in, and you have nobody listening to your, to your, to your pleads for, for, for help, what do you think is going to happen? This is what happens. And we're just at a point in society where nobody wants to speak to one another anymore. Nobody wants to sit and listen to one another. And this is what happens. This has been happening for a while, right? I mean, Absolutely. we got some examples like just this, this I mean, is take for new. example, you know, right, right. But take for example, I mean, after the last State of the Union address, when you have Pelosi standing behind the president tearing up his, his, his tearing up his speech in defiance, you know what I mean? These are these are things that. I hate to use the word trigger because it has like a different meaning these days, but you know, I mean, it, it could trigger somebody into being pretty upset when you're seeing, you know, you, basically, you know, the, the leader of the country being blatantly disrespected by somebody that's, that's sitting right behind him and is supposed to be, you know, you want to see these people working together as they should be. But when you see somebody, you know, just tearing up their speech right behind them, it's going to send a message. Right. And then when yeah. you count, there's, these countless examples that, I, you know, that I've seen over the past couple of years, just, you know, there was, I'm not going to remember everybody's name, but I know there was, I think she's a congressman, older woman out of California, I believe. Congresswoman, congresswoman. Make, make sure you're, 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 okay, you're so gender appropriate or whatever my, the fuck the term My is pronouns are, are, are correct. Yeah. All right. So but you know who I'm talking about, right? Where she was saying that if you if you see anybody that's a Trump supporter in his cabinet yeah. to surround them and to, Maxine to, Waters. to badger them. I mean, Maxine Waters. Right. I mean, there was Kamala Harris saying that, you know, that, that there needs to be these uprisings before the election, after the election. You had even Nancy Pelosi. She was a, was on record saying that she doesn't see why there's not more uprisings. You know, these are these are political leaders. And I'm not saying that it's okay for what happened yesterday at all, at all. I mean, it's disgusting. But when you see it happen on, you know, on one side, and it's, it's always kind of just given this pass. When you see it going on a different, you know, when the other team, if you will, you know, starts corking their bat, uh -huh. you're going to get the same results. And, and like I said, I mean, I think it's great that, you know, it's a step in the right direction that it was condemned um, by the people that that have i mean and this is talking about you know uh fox news which is traditionally seen as a very right-leaning news source and the president um himself listen I, I turned on his little his little speech yesterday when he was this whole thing came from the rally right so yeah I, I i turned on i saw some of the rally and it was just more of the same it was just him blasting the media and blasting his unfair treatment and uh, you know it was all the same. I just turned it off, you know, went, did, uh, went and did some running around and, uh, you know, on my way back, I get the alert from NBC news that a woman was shot and, you know, in, in the Capitol building and I hadn't seen the images yet. And then when I got home and I turned it on and I mean, to see <laughs> once again, this guy in a Jumanji costume sitting in the speaker of the house's seat. I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke to be quite honest. I mean, like, you know, you hear a lot of people saying, Oh, this is, this, this is a, a, a revolution. And this is, this is the start of the revolution. No, it's not. What happened yesterday was pure stupidity. Okay. They want to compare what happened yesterday to what our founding fathers did back in the 1700s. 
with Great Britain, there is no comparison whatsoever, okay? Our founding fathers wrote the Declaration of Independence and they all basically signed their own death certificates when they, when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Okay, let's put it that way. Because they knew that if they lost that war, which they knew was coming by, by, making, their own by making the Declaration of Independence of the United States, they knew that each and every one of them were going to hang. Period. They knew that. And they willingly did that, but they did it in an organized fashion. Okay, their plan for succession after the Revolutionary War with them having to win it, they had a plan in place on how they were going to form our government. And that's the basis of what our country was founded upon. What we know of today and the way our country is run is based on what they did prior to the Revolutionary War and the way they envisioned a free state like the United States. Okay, what happened yesterday? was just pure stupidity to be quite honest it really was it was pure stupidity you, yeah, absolutely 100 believe you uh believe me um you know i mentioned some of these conspiracy theories and stuff that, that float around what do you feel about this one that i heard in saying that antifa was partly to blame like they were antifa was shipped into their this area to kind of stir up the pot which we've heard of happening mm -hmm. before on both sides you know in, in trump rallies and hillary clinton rallies even going back to, to 2000 yeah. 2016 I mean, is it I wouldn't, the realm of possibility? I no. don't think that it is. Do I think that that's really what this whole thing was and what orchestrated the whole thing? I mean, you've seen the images of the, the, of the Capitol by now. I mean, it looks like it's just an infestation. Yeah, it's, it's very possible that that happened. But I mean, let's, let's remind the audience, and I know people don't want to hear it, but there are a lot of neo-Nazis that, that think that Trump is their, is their saving grace for the, for the country. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're no different from Antifa. Their ideologies are different, but their tactics and their end game is the exact same thing as Antifa. Somebody, I, I saw uh, some picture of some of the, you know, the, the guy with the Viking costume and all this other stuff. And one of the other guys next to him in a couple of the photos, um, I guess Philadelphia, the Antifa or the Philadelphia branch or chapter, if you will, of Antifa, <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll, we'll make them out to be kind of like an Elks Lodge or something like that. Nice. Um, uh, they they had some picture posted that that one of the guys in the Capitol building yesterday is a fairly well known uh, Keystone United skinhead, okay, so a neo Nazi group within the state of Pennsylvania. Um, so I was like, you know what? Let me just check this out. So I went onto onto uh, Philly Antifa's website today, and they literally have thirty days of of uh, 30 days of a profile each day of some other um, Keystone United skinhead person that's in that organization. So you have a communist organization here within the United States that's keeping tabs on a neo-Nazi uh, uh, organization also within the United States, within the same state. Okay, so you have two very radical organizations keeping tabs on each other. What do you think is going to come of this? Right. Okay. They supposedly they have opposing views, but realistically they have the same end game in play. They're like I said, their ideologies are slightly different. One communist, one Nazi. Personally, I think they're one and the same. 
So what do you think is going to happen? This is not going to turn out well for anybody. And for no. people to think that, that uh, you know, the sooner we get Trump out of office, the better this is all going to get. It's a fucking fallacy. No, not at all. We, we, the, the wedge has already been driven in and these oh. two, we're just so far gone. I mean, just kind of scrolling through my feed on, on social media today, just I was just disgusted. I had to get off because it, it's just so it far. And, you know, it's the you know, you have the, you know, the, the people that are looking at it from the perspective like, you know, it happened today, but it was OK when it happened before. And then you have, you know, the opposite view. I mean, this there, there's this whole thought that because there wasn't this large police force and they weren't prepared. They just weren't prepared. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the racist rhetoric that comes out of this whole thing as well. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, yeah. Just making this whole thing, uh, you know, this big racial divide. And th the sad part is, I mean, do, do you know anybody personally that, that went to this rally? No. I, I know one person. He's kind of an acquaintance. I just know him through through work um but that's it so between the two of us we know one person right i know everybody that was there i mean that's just it's, it's such a minute percentage of people i mean just even people that supported trump from the beginning i mean not you know i i just think it, it's a shame that such a small percentage could do such damage to make things so fucked up and but the thing is is that you have a media that is going to amplify it to push a certain narrative and that's to me that is the more dangerous part in all this because they're fueling the fire that that to me is more problematic than what happened yesterday now they rightfully called out the problem but as you and i were texting earlier today we kept hearing the word treason thrown around and trump was treasonous and should be tried for high treason and all these republicans that decided to object to the electoral count yesterday should be tried for treason as well because they incited violence treason has a very specific definition within the constitution and it really doesn't involve anything with spontaneous rioting. I mean, it really has to do with you're literally aiding and abetting foreign enemies or enemies against the United States of America. I, I, I'm, I'm not following how what happened yesterday was considered treasonous. Treasonous is a very serious crime for any government throughout, throughout the world, let alone here in the United States. I mean, Benedict Arnold was a big traitor to the United States and was considered to have, have, is considered to have caused treason or committed treason against the United States of America when he decided to, to um, side with the British during the Revolutionary War. But then he, not that he got off on it from the United States, but... Um, because he became a general in the British Army during the Revolutionary War, he was kind of he kind of got off scot free. Unfortunately, I'm sure if George Washington put his hands around his neck, probably would have strangled him to death, and I wouldn't have wouldn't have blamed him for doing that. But um, there there are very few cases of treason that have occurred in the United States within the past 
with uh, in, in our entire history of almost 250 years. Um, so, you know, for people to just loosely throw around that term is dangerous. It really is. And when you have media figures that really should be reporting on what's going on objectively, and they're injecting their own opinion into it repeatedly, we no longer have a free media. And I know that we've stated that on this program several occasions. Absolutely. Now again, now again, I mean, let's, let's be clear. What happened yesterday was an absolute travesty. Um, that shouldn't have happened. We're, we are a nation of laws and we do things. There's a whole process, whole political process and how we, how we go about doing things like this. Yesterday was not a revolution by any, by any stretch of the imagination. Yesterday was just pure stupidity, to be right. quite honest. And I'm going to bring it back to this. I mean, just before I was talking about how this is such a small percentage of any demographic that was able to to basically overtake the the capital. Um, how is it so easy? I mean, how are how was how were their guards lowered that far? I mean, you have the vice president there, you have Nancy Pelosi in there, the Speaker of the House. They're in the middle of confirming a, an electoral collage, which is pretty important task. And I, I mean, and then you have a small faction. I mean, by all, all you know, all intents and purposes, it really is a small faction that's able to break a window and overtake the whole fucking capital. I mean, are you serious? Like, what if this is a, an actual organized, you know, syndicate of sorts? You know, whether it's you know, you know, like, yeah. I mean, how how is I mean, this? I mean, as 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 funny as it is to think about it, it's actually really serious because we actually have active militia groups here within the United States that are extremely, extremely well-armed and well-organized. So, you know, people really need to think about that. You have these, these far right or left militias that can, that can, uh, you know, you have a bunch of, of degenerates that, that break through the, the, the doors and windows of the Capitol building and can get as far in as the office of the Speaker of the House, and can get into the into the chambers of the of the of the, of, the um, of Congress without being armed. <laughs> what if you right. have a fucking right. uh, a, in a, you know one of these well armed militia groups that that could be a couple hundred people strong? What do you think is going to happen? They're not going to take it over. They're going to blow the fucking thing up. They're going to level it altogether. And they're going to cause serious problems. I it's right. It, I mean, which amazing to me. Which is you know, like I, I was mentioning before, these conspiracy theories that that are bonding around. One being the Antifa situation, and the other, um, which is something that we've seen throughout history, is a false flag incident. Have you heard anything about this? I mean, it, I I don't. You know, we bounced this back and forth when we were talking about the whole voter fraud and. And everything, and you and I both said, you know, if there's all this evidence, why haven't we seen any of it, right? Um, exactly. But you know, when it comes to this, and you see how easily it was for somebody to enter a building that's supposed to be one of the most secure in the world. I mean, they've been saying Fort Knox is the most secure place in the world, right? I mean, if this is supposed to be right next to it, I mean, I guess we could just walk into Fort Knox and make a withdrawal anytime we want, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is like, it, it does make me question. You know, I mean, I. I do 
I didn't like to get on board with the whole voter fraud thing and and all the conspiracies that go along with it and, and or any conspiracy really for that matter. Um, but it, it it's hard not to look at this with the level of cynicism and say, you know, this this looks like it could possibly even be an inside job. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I really don't fucking get it. I mean, it's I'd like a woman was shot. She was killed. There's been four deaths altogether. Three unrelated to actually. I mean, I, I don't know. One guy had a heart attack. The other two, I'm not really sure what happened. Yeah. Um, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, there's pictures of a guy from Florida, Florida man, go figure, yeah, walking, walking out with basically a, you know, a souvenir and being podium. the, uh, yeah, the podium for Nancy Pelosi. I mean, he's walking out with it. Just, but I mean, the manner of these guys, they stayed within the red ropes at least. It, lo- it looked like they were practicing social distancing, too, uh, while they were inside. I mean, outside was a different story. While they were inside, they seemed relatively spread apart, so that was good, at least. Yeah. Apparently, somebody somebody got into Nancy Pelosi's office, sat in her chair, put their feet up on her chair, and I guess they left her a note, too, which is kind of funny, to be honest. <laughs> but it's it's, you know... It's funny on one hand, but it's not even alarming, just sad altogether on the other hand. Um, and and the, the sadness I speak of there is, is that is a part of that is the concern with, you know, th- there's a meme that I saw today too, which was, you know, $750 billion defense budget. And yet, um, yeah, Chewbacca in a bikini out, uh, outfit and the Duck Dynasty were able to take over the Capitol building in right. two hours. <laughs> right. That's not concerning in the least bit. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's... I mean, since then, I mean, I, I know the the Capitol Police chief, he stepped down. Yeah. He, he resigned. There's been a, a lot of people backing off. Uh, there's been people just, you know, I think it was somebody in charge of transportation or something like that, they stepped out to uh, resign just basically because of Trump's rhetoric yesterday. And they just uh-huh. want to disassociate with him, which I see now the plans are calling for, you know, impeachment and Nancy Pelosi's trying to enact article 25. Was it where just to basically get him kicked out? Remove him. Yeah. Remove him. I mean, yeah. If two weeks left, what are, what are you going to accomplish? I mean, yeah. government doesn't move fast on anything. You mean, tell me they're actually going to move fast on this. Right. Give me a fucking break. It's, it's two weeks. Tell, just tell the guy to shut the fuck up. He already said that he's going to leave. He's gonna, he said it's going to be a peaceful transition uh, to, to Joe Biden, um, as painful as that is, to be quite honest. But it, 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 what else? What else are you looking for? What do you think breakfast was like in the White House today? You think he's looking across like there's just there's this, a lot of fucking Bloody Marys and mimosas. Uh, there's just this silence at the at the table. You know, him and Melania, they're just sitting across <laughs> and they're just quiet. No, like, whenever you get into an argument, you just like, you're kind of, it's the next day and you're just, you're not on speaking terms. So they're just, they're sitting across from each other eating their fucking Cheerios or whatever. Trump's probably eating his Fruit Loops. Yeah, I heard fucking the McPancakes or something like that since you always eat at McDonald's, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, <laughs> Just like it's just it, yeah, it, it, that's that's a great question. I don't know, but it's, it had to be pretty fucking tense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he got much sleep last night. 
I, I don't know. I, I just knowing that you were responsible somewhat, somewhat to that, you know. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't, you know, in front of everybody leading it like like Braveheart, but yeah, I don't think he was com- completely complicit in, in kind of revving up his <laughs> revolutionaries, as as they want to say. No, you're right. I mean, there he didn't give any direct orders yesterday to say go storm the Capitol building and fucking kill everybody inside. There was no direct evidence of his words and anything that he said yesterday, as far as I know. But you know, my, my wife and I were talking earlier today about that. Like, as a as a leader, your your words really matter to your to your constituents, to you know your your um to your subordinates and, and everything like that. So what you say really matters. You Sure, you want to speak your mind. I get it. But you have to make sure there's a clear distinction between you speaking your mind and you giving orders to somebody. Because people who can't really discern the difference between the two will, th- will take something very ambiguous and say, well, he told me to do that because this is what he said. It's almost like you have to you have to be your own best lawyer. You really have to say to yourself, um, if I say this, can it be left open for interpretation? And if you do that, as a leader, you are putting yourself in an extremely, extremely precarious situation. Because I've learned this over the years you don't leave any loose ends when it comes to communication with people. I, I've, I've learned this the hard way. Um, even as somebody who hasn't been in, you know, you could say leadership positions, I've learned you don't leave things open for interpretation. You ensure you tie up those loose ends and that everybody is crystal clear on exactly what you are asking them to do. Okay. So it's fine. It's fine for him to say, march to the Capitol and show them that you are, you are pissed off with what happened. But we need to do this in a peaceful way. No rioting. No storming of the Capitol building. No violence. Because we are not that party. And he could have come out on top with that, but he didn't use those words. And I know people say, well, you shouldn't have to and all this other stuff. But again, it's extremely important that people in leadership positions use words that are interpreted correctly and are not left up for interpretation. Because again, other people can take what you say, misinterpret it, and then point the finger back at you when the shit hits the fan. So, yeah that's that's I mean, a problem. He, he did say some he, he did say some things about you know telling everybody to go home and everything but i think by then it was just it was too little too late well, the damage was you definitely know, done by then the damage was done yeah yeah i mean it's the crazy thing of all this is that you know the woman that got shot she and died she was that much of a trump supporter that she, she her life is gone but she doesn't exist anymore so 14 year air force veteran was yeah. a staunch supporter of Donald Trump since day one who was a staunch supporter so you're that much of a fan of a 77 year old man that doesn't know who you are 
that you're willing to put yourself in that position. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me crazy. either. It is, it and it's crazy. And I mean, I mean, uh, the listen. allure that some people have, like the, with the, with Trump together. I mean, he's it, it's fucking crazy how bananas some 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 of these supporters are. Really is, but how much? And and I, I get what you're saying. How much different is this from when Obama was in office? I mean, people people gave him I a, agree. a free pass. I agree, same thing. A free pass, no matter what. I mean, now let's be completely let's be completely transparent here. Obama was significantly more articulate in what he said, and that this doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that I like the guy because I certainly didn't. I don't. I don't. I'm not the type of person that that gets that gets caught up in in how eloquent people speak. I'm concerned about what your fucking policies are moving forward. Quite frankly, I think a lot of his suck. There are some that, that were decent, but I think a lot of them suck. I didn't like him. Okay, let me be completely honest. It, it, it's a phrase that I heard, a phrase that I've heard you say before, and I, I remember this, and I use it all the time. If you can't dazzle them with with brilliance, blind them with bullshit. Yeah. If you if you took him away from, from his tele, yeah, if you took him away from his teleprompter, he was awful. He was like he he couldn't speak for shit. To be honest. But he had that persona about him. He had that, that presence about him where people were, were very impressed with him. I, I, and I ain't going to lie. He, he did a hell of a job doing that for himself. I, I, I will give him that credit. I don't think he was a great president by any stretch of the imagination from a policy perspective. In fact, he, he went right. on an ass-kissing tour around the world, basically apologizing to everybody else throughout the world. We, don't owe, we, we owe nobody a fucking apology for anything. Okay, everybody can can kiss our ass as far as I'm concerned. But having said that, I mean it's it's no different. I mean you have you had people, you know, you had that 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 I don't know if you remember from years ago that kid that was at that that town hall thing that that Obama did where that the kid sounded like he was having an orgasm or something because because he got to speak to, to Obama directly before he even got before he even got elected president. <laughs> It was just just the oddest thing in the world, and you had people that that, as far as I'm concerned, were were willing to die for him too. And I, this, yeah, in the past few years, it's really kind of dawned on me where I'm like, why are we so infatuated with with politicians? We've gotten so far away from what, from how our government or how the country, not even the government, how our country was initially was initially uh, uh, thought of like how, how it was it, it was um, you know postulated to be where we had a major gripe with the government that was governing our country at the time or our these colonies at that time we had taxation without representation so the our country was founded upon, uh, a dislike of 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 politics, a dislike of government altogether, and that you should keep the people of the United States is what is responsible for keeping the government in check, not the other way around. But when you suddenly start getting infatuated with politicians on an individual level, or you only you only defend your political team. We've got we've completely lost what, what the country's been founded upon. Completely. 
we, we are no longer the United States that was that fought for its freedom almost 250 years ago. We are we are no better than 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 the than Great Britain at that time when they were ruling over us and we were just colonists. Right. I mean, and this is something that we've touched on before on this podcast and just in regards to, you know, people having their team, if you will, you know, you're either part of the Democratic team or you're part of the Republican team. And, and it's just like with sports, right? When the Yankees are playing the Red Sox, yeah. if your guy, if you're, if you're a Yankee fan and, you know, your guy's caught corking his bat, you're going to say anything to just try to defend this guy, even though, you know, the evidence is right there. It's out for display. Everybody could see it. But it doesn't matter because you're going to come up with reasons to justify whatever behavior, whatever antics, whatever, you know, methods that you employed. So it's just we've gotten into that mentality. And like you said, I've never seen anything like this where this level of infatuation with your political figureheads. I mean, imagine if it got down to like a local level. I mean, I understand like during election season, like you see people sometimes with your you know, vote for Bob Josephson T-shirt for mayor or whatever <laughs> but like i mean it's it's craziness i mean i never understood you know in comparison to sports teams and athletics and everything like that i've never gotten into i see people waving their their flag like a, they have somebody with like a yankee flag hanging off the front of their house or like a red sox fan or you know during football season you see it a lot of times but I never understood it. Like that's what our family represents this organization of 20 some things that play a sport. Like, I, I don't get it. I never was, I, I never understood that. And then it becomes this whole thing. And I understand when there's the little, you know, the little signs that you plug into your lawn where it says, you know, whoever you're trying to drum up support for, because maybe, you know, vote, vote for Biden, vote for Trump, whatever the case may be. Or but once that's or, over, I mean, or presidents, these flags outside their house. Or presidents are temporary and Wu Tang is forever. I've seen a couple of those on lawns. But the, right, <laughs> right, yes. My family represents the Wu Tang Clan. Because <laughs> <laughs> Wu Tang is for the children. That's if awesome. You got a baby on the way. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, leading up to this, uh, I mean, you could see if anybody had the potential of having this done to them, but it's fucking crazy that the president managed to get himself canceled on Twitter and social media <laughs> altogether. Well, that, you know, it, although that's, it is kind of funny. It's also, it's also very dangerous. And a lot of people aren't seeing it that way. A lot of people on the other side of the, on the other side of the equation are, um, they don't see it that way. They don't see it as being dangerous. They see it as being something that's been necessary. So again, we are getting completely away from, from what the United States was founded upon. Um, I think I know where you're going here, but why do you think that it's dangerous? Because then there's, it's open season on silencing anybody. That's the problem. Listen, that. I, and I, I agree idiot. with you 100 i agree with you but i understand yeah. why they're able to do that too right it's their company it's their platform you could control I get what, that. what's allowed to be said and it's a private company if it was publicly owned i get it you know, then it's i get that but it's a different but, but the question is 
and I'm, I'm a very analytical person. So I'm going to try to be blind to who they, who they blocked and all that other stuff. So the question has to, the question that has to be asked to these big tech, tech companies that take it upon themselves to silence whoever they want, what criteria are you using to silence people? Because, I, and again, I'm very analytical. I come from the world of medicine. When we write policies, you have to be very specific. You can't, like I said before, you can't leave things open for interpretation because then people kind of take shit and they run with it. That's just how it is. Whereas if you're right. very specific with things, there's very little left up for interpretation. There's it no wiggle room. Right. It almost becomes like a standard operating procedure. This is exactly what you need to do, period. There's no straying from this because it's very well written out. If you stray from this procedure, you are, you are insubordinate with what you're supposed to be doing, period. So then my question to the big tech company is what criteria are you using to silence people? Okay. That's the real question that has to be and asked. A lot of people would say that it's the fact checkers. Once the fact checkers got introduced, it's like... But people are people asking. used to just take whatever they heard and run with it, right? And a lot of this started with, you know, where we basically started making our maiden voyages with the whole COVID thing and, and everything like that. And it's just gotten to the point where, you know, people dislike Fauci because he's not. And we talked about this before, too. People don't like Fauci because he's not giving them the news that they want to hear. You know what I mean? And now we have a new strain of COVID. Right, right. He's supposed to, he, like any doctor, he gives you the facts, Okay. Like, take, for example, if you were hypothetically battling, I'm not even going to say you, person over here is battling cancer. Mm -hmm. Is that person going to want to hear the news that they have cancer? No, they want to hear the best advice. But do you want to be lied to? Do you want to not be able to combat it? You know, you're not going to you're not going to be able to throw, you know, everything that you can at it. If if somebody tries to downplay it, you're not going to know the severity of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that that's what we've gotten to. And the thing is, is that we you know especially on social media and we've talked about this too and as far as people think that they have the facebook university you know degree in in medicine and i mean right and and just how many people have said to me you know masks don't work and maybe they don't work 100 percent of the time but i think it does help to to slow the whole thing down i mean i'm not going to say that it doesn't work because i've been in the environment where i'm next to somebody for an extended period of time through work hours that i I found out later had COVID while I'm working with them mm-hmm. or, or work, working in an environment where I'm constantly exposed to it. Have I, have I contracted it? No. I mean, but at the same time, have I taken the antibody test? No, but I've been through countless tests. I think I'm probably up to 18, 19 times being tested for this disease and I've been negative every time. So, I mean, I'm wearing a mask and I, I think that if I'm, if I have that level of exposure and I haven't contracted it yet, I think that the mask is doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is, this is, this points to a a much, I mean, and I know we've talked about this multiple times, but it it definitely points to a much larger problem altogether where, where people are not willing to use critical thinking and, and look things up for themselves objectively. They, they have an ideology in their head. They have a, a bias in their, in their, in their mind. And they're going to find whatever piece of information they possibly could, despite the amount of evidence contrary to what they're thinking, just to justify or just to confirm their bias. And that's... Yeah, but what I'm saying is that people will take whatever... It is. But what I mean is that 
you know, some people they'll go off and they'll find some article written by Babylon B or whatever the fucking case may be, not even a reputable site. The onion. Um, I mean, not to say that Babylon B or the onion are reputable site, they're there for satire and that's what yeah. it is. But I mean, somebody goes to like this, this fourth rate website finds, uh, an article that says that you know like i was giving the example of the masks and you know they give these made-up statistics on why the mask doesn't work and it gets posted on facebook and then it, you know you see how how dangerous it is to spread misinformation so facebook had to step in and be like listen we can't have you guys using our platform to spread misinformation that's just going to you know lead to this outbreak getting more uncontrollable you know what i mean so that's that's why I, I see the fact checking coming in and but right and i i get what you're saying too and i i agree with i i agree with what you're saying but the question that has to be asked in that case is who are the fact checkers and right. what qualifications do they have to be a fact checker okay right. so let me let me let me put it in perspective for you so, and again, I, I kind of bring this all back to medicine because uh, this is what I've done for 15 years and it works in medicine where, where we scrutinize each other very, very well. And f for the right reason to ensure that at the end of everything that we do there, there's a patient at the end of everything that we do. So everything that we do in medicine is to benefit the patient as best we possibly could. We don't do it to benefit ourselves. We don't do it for selfish reasons. We don't do it for to try to get more money and all this other stuff. We do it ultimately because holistically in all of our hearts and souls, we, are, we do this because we want to treat the patient as best we possibly could. And we have a firm belief that we don't put money or finances before any of that. We have a firm belief that if you do the right thing for the patient, um, you, you, you know, you have good karma, it will be returned back to you in, in rewards and rightfully so. That's why people in medicine get paid very well. We do a lot of work really to save people's lives and to make people's lives better. That's what we do. But in medicine, okay, there's, there's hundreds of medical journals, hundreds. Um, I read through many articles every week uh, myself to release, to, to analyze research that, that comes out on new medications on, you know, I look up case reports, case series, and kind of look to see what they did. There's a whole methodology for how you do research. There's whole methodology for how you write articles objectively, not injecting your opinion into it, unless it, you explicitly state it's an editorial on, on another article. Um, but each article that you write which either is some sort of case report, case series, a retrospective review on something, or an actual research article goes through peer review. Those are the fact checkers, okay? But these are highly, highly, highly qualified people that are, that are basically associate editors of these medical journals that are considered to be fact checkers, your peer review fact checkers. Okay. It is well known what their qualifications are. It's not a mystery to anybody. These are pretty fucking smart people that, that know their shit. Okay. They're there for a reason to make sure that the integrity of the written material that's published in these journals 
stands up to scrutiny because again, the what's written in these journal articles is reviewed by other medical professionals that are treating patients at the bedside that can take that information and say, okay, so so-and-so wrote this, art, wrote this article and this is what they found in their research. Now, based on that data, my patient fits the criteria of what they found in their own research. Therefore, I can confidently apply what they did in their research to my patient who needs treatment. That's really what it all comes down to. So the peer reviewers, the fact checkers of those, of those journal articles, like I said, are highly, highly qualified individuals. So now my question to the fact checkers and all these social media platforms is, how qualified are your fact checkers? I can see it. That, I mean, that's a question. I, I see what you're saying. And I think when it comes to something like you were given the example of medicine, I mean, there's data upon data that's compiled and, and tried and cross-checked and, and, and objectively looked at. Um, so I, I could see that as having a, a pretty solid footing as far as, you know, what you could check for fact or not. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think that's what kind of got the ball rolling where people were kind of looking at these, you know, these, these fact checkers because people were just seeing that as far as they're just being censored, right? People were just looking at it that way. And people began to get a little frustrated that they weren't able to share what they thought was good information, even Mm -hmm. though maybe, you know, it it didn't meet the standards of, you know, getting run through the litmus test in, in regards to, you know, ways that you just described. But when it gets into the realm of like politics, for example, Mm -hmm. and people are being censored again. And it seemed for some time that the censorship was only going towards one avenue of politics, right? It's only mm-hmm. like, it's like only the, the right is being censored and the left isn't. Yep. So then the sentiment grows and people are getting more and more frustrated. And then, you know, now it's a war against big tech and Trump is, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, that's one of the things that he was talking about yesterday when he was, when he was at his rally part that I actually caught mm-hmm. and he's talking about, you know, big tech has their agenda and this and that, and they're spreading this information and this and that. So I, but when you put it against something like that, like who are your fact checkers for that? Because you can't run it against any statistical data. Right. I mean, all you could do is really go back and say, well, this isn't what happened. This is, here's an interview that he did and he didn't actually say that. And if you're cherry picking and taking things out of context and I could see, you know, that, but when there's really not any data to, to kind of back up your fact checking, then, then it's kind of like you said, like who are employing these fact checkers? Where are they coming from? What is their agenda? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that that's those are all things that you have to that that these are questions that that un, I, and again i mean unfortunately the general public doesn't understand this and and doesn't understand the details of this um it, glenn beck did it did an interesting uh, uh port um segment on this uh, on his uh on his blaze tv uh television program uh, looking at Facebook's fact checkers and, you know, Facebook suggests that they're independent fact checkers, but when you look at the paper trail, they're all connected back to, to, to Facebook. 
Right. How could so, it be independent if it's being employed by Facebook? How could it be exactly. independent? It's so it's, it's not, and that, that's a conflict of interest. And that's a problem. So, you know, th this is my gripe with all this. And I, I, I know it sounds complex, but as somebody who's been in this for 15 years, who, who kind of looks at the microcosm of medicine as being basically just a more concentrated form of society at large, you start asking the same questions. You're like, and you start sounding the alarms where you're like, this is, this is a problem. I hate to sound all conspiratorial, but it's all right. We've been throwing quite a bit of those around tonight. It's like, it's, it's like 1984. I mean, you have, you know, you have uh, the government that, that pushes a certain agenda and then you have their, their big tech supporters and other supporters like the media, like um, celebrities and all this other stuff that are pushing an agenda to an otherwise, and I hate to put it this way, but an otherwise ignorant populace. And all, all this elitist class is doing at the end of the day in using these tactics is to pit us commoners against one another. And it's why would they do that? Why would they do that? To keep themselves at the top and to ensure that none of us can try to achieve that sort of power. So I would highly, highly encourage all listeners of this program. I don't care what political flavor you care for today or tomorrow. Keep that in mind. So while you want to root for your team, that you think is loyal to you, that team could give a, a rat's ass about you and about me. If anything, all of us commoners, not of the elite class, should be sticking together. We should be united against, against all these elitists, no matter what political party they're a part of, no matter what their agenda is and all that other stuff. Because at the end of the day, the government's supposed to work for us, not the other way around. But if when we consider it where, where we are subjects of the government, we've completely lost what the government, what the United States stands for, period. It's reminiscent of uh, Nikita Khrushchev's chilling prediction that uh, we will take America without firing a shot. Yep. Yeah. And, and that, those, are. those are, those are, I think those, those eight, those eight points that I suggested in that article were basically part of the, the, the 10 pillars of communism. They are, they are almost word for word out of Karl Marx's works over 150 years ago in the Communist Manifesto. That's exactly what that is. So we are heading toward communism. And the crazy By thing is, is, if you even say it, then all of a sudden people look at you like you're, you, you, you've got some kind of crazy conspiracy going on. Yeah. But here you are, you're actually giving facts and that back it, up. Exactly. And this, this, is, uh, this is also part of the bigger problem that people don't really, that this is part of, this is the forest that people are, are losing through the trees, okay? They are not using critical thinking skills. They're just having somebody feed them what they should, what they think they should know, and they just regurgitate that back to other people without really processing it critically. And then because they, they find somebody that they don't agree with, politically, ideologically, or whatever, it's just, it's just, vitriol toward one another 
It's constant butting heads. And this is exactly what totalitarian regimes do. Okay. They, they keep commoners suppressed by basically pitting, pitting them against one another. But I'm telling you that as, as average everyday Americans, we can't do that to one another because if we continue to do this, the country is lost. We are absolutely lost as a country if we keep doing that. Mm. But you, here we have the perfect storm now. You have all three, you know, being the House, the Senate, the presidency is all gone blue. Uh-huh. Now, you know, typically myself, I lean somewhat right. Um, I know you you definitely lean right. Um, well, I, I but do. I, I always I, thought, I, I, let me, my point being, I, I always, even whatever my stance is, I always wanted there to be a check and a balance. So I always wanted one of those three entities to be the opposite, right? I, I just, because I think if either party, you know, and this is, you know, we've talked about this with the two party system, everything's so far right or so far left, there's no gray area anymore. So when you have one of those entities, that's, that's, you know, the opposite party, you know, you kind of, well, this is going to pass, but it might get blocked here because there's checks and balances. We realize that there's a trade-off now. I mean, there, there's already talk about whether or not they're, they're going to pack the courts, you know, and I, I don't like to see the entire thing go a certain way. I just think it, it's, it's too dangerous. There's no checks and balances. I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't, uh, number one, I, uh, and I, I know I've, I've mentioned this on multiple occasions, and, I, and I've said this in response to somebody on Facebook yesterday, I, I really don't think we should be having political parties in the United States. I don't. We should be having pizza parties. I, uh, those are friendlier than, than having Republican <laughs> Democrat parties, to be quite honest. I, I, I mean, I don't understand this idea of you know, I, I only have one ideology. And if you put forth a, a piece of legislation that is contrary to what I believe, then I, I have to vote against it. I, I, I'm, it's baffling to me. It's, it, may, it may be because I'm too simplistic. And again, maybe because I was a policymaker when I was in clinical practice. Right. But I, I've given this analogy before. I'm a pharmacist. I was secretary of the pharmacy and therapeutics committee of, my last, of the last hospital I worked at. The chair of the pharmacy and therapeutics committee was a physician. Uh, we still speak nowadays. Politically, we don't have the same viewpoints, but when it came to policies within the hospital, we didn't say this is a policy for pharmacists, this is a policy for physicians, this is a policy for nurses, and we didn't vote in that manner. Well, yeah, because like you said earlier, your whole objective is to make sure the patient receives the best care. So when realistically, it should be a policy that served the patient the best. Exactly. We didn't vote on policies based on who put it forth. We, We voted on policies based on how it would benefit the patient. And yeah, there, there were some things where, where physicians relinquished power to pharmacists. I put forth some of those policies. But I explained in those policies, it's for the benefit of the patient and to ease the workload on physicians and to give work to pharmacists that pharmacists were, were significantly more capable of doing than physicians. And there was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just an ideology. It was backed up by evidence, by years of evidence. 
showing that pharmacists can dose certain antibiotics better than physicians could. Mm. And again, it really, it came down to the benefit of the patient. So I didn't do this to, to make the pharmacist shine better. I did it because I thought about it. If I'm ever a patient and I come to this hospital, I want to make sure if I get this antibiotic, if I need it, it is dosed optimally to me because I don't want to dick around with any serious infection. That's what, that's what my thought was on this. Okay. So to me, the idea that we have political parties making policies that affect people's lives in real time bothers me mm -hmm. because just like you're saying, if you have an imbalance of power one way or another, now you have one party that's going to put forth their own agenda and there's no, there's no, there's no opposition to that. Right. There's zero. There's none. You're absolutely right. I mean, and the crazy thing is, is, you know, with everything else that was going on yesterday in reference to like the capital invasion, uh, John Ossoff, he mm -hmm. won over David Perdue and, Raphael Warnock won over Kelly Loeffler. I probably Loeffler. murdered. I probably murdered all four of those names. <laughs> but <laughs> my my point is is that you know, Asaf over Purdue was fifty point four to forty nine point six. Mm -hmm. The other one was fifty point eight to forty nine point two. Yep. So you're saying that both of these elections were won by that narrow of a margin and nobody's asking any questions because Wolfman was in chambers yesterday at the Capitol. <laughs> yeah. Very, I, I very know. thin margins. But I mean, you know, of course, after everything that happened yesterday, people are going to be a little leery about just questioning pretty much anything right now for, for a little bit of time. I think we burned some, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just crazy that the the line of victory was just le well, point one percent less than a percent. Yeah, both of yeah, these it, the yeah, same but, thing. Both of these runoff elections, not one of them was a little lopsided. Not no, one of them it, was won by more than five percent. But if you notice, it's symbolic of how fractured we are as a country. We are literally fractured right down the middle. There's no, you know, there's no one way or another. It's not like, you know, when, when Reagan won the presidency, he won by, by a landslide, you know, because right. the majority of people didn't see the other guys being a viable option. It, you know, people can talk all they want about the, about the, about the, the popular vote with, with Biden. And he won by what, like 7 million votes or, or any of that other stuff. So yeah. it was 77 million to 84 million or something like that. That's not really a huge margin to be honest no really isn't definitely not so i mean to, you know for people to say oh well, he won by several million votes well when you look at the total it's really not that it's, it's new york city it, uh, pretty much yeah new york city's population is seven million yeah pretty much so it just goes to show how split we are we're split right down the middle and, and so if, if you have one political party in power and, you know, you can make the argument, well, you know, in 2016, when Trump got elected, he had the House and the Senate and they got nothing done. And, that, and that's and I, I would agree with that. They, they got very little done. But I think a lot of it really has to do with the fact that a lot of the Republicans that were in power, like John McCain and like others, were rhinos, which is Republican in name only. But they weren't exactly 
they weren't the staunch conser conservatives like Republicans have traditionally been viewed. It's no, it's no surprise that John McCain voted against a lot of things that, that Trump tried putting forward. John McCain had a history of voting with Democrats as opposed to with Republicans. So it's, it's no surprise there. I mean, now you have, you have Mitt Romney, you have Susan Collins, you have Lisa, Lisa Murkowski that are basically known to be rhinos as well. You know, they don't, they don't vote down party line all, all together. And to be honest, nobody should just vote down party line blindly. You need to have some discernment in, in what you decide to vote on. But they're not reliable Republican votes. So... <laughs> But no. doesn't that does, doesn't that go to what your argument was before? Is that we shouldn't be here, just defined by party? Yes. We, and the crazy should. thing is, is you know, like you were talking about rhinos. I just, you know, like I said, going through this dangerous wormhole that's social media, and, and you see the disgust with some people that are staunch Republicans have for these rhinos. But meanwhile, you know, that's probably is our best option i mean your rhinos and what would the opposite be dinos dummies <laughs> but like yeah you know i mean so so by definition you know if i'm a republican right i have to be pro-gun but i have to be anti-gay i mean i think that's kind of changed a little bit over the years yeah. but initially i mean gay marriage was just you know sacrilege yeah you but, know what i mean and it and here's the thing on the other on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to the democrats as far as i'm concerned they're much more united than, than the republicans are my, my wife and i were were debating this earlier today i might disagree with you and i only say this because i think the democratic party has just become this giant umbrella that lets anybody in i mean take like pelosi can't stand aoc i, I think it's all for political theater to be honest but i think they're they're on the same page with with, yeah, with, with with progressivism, to be honest, with communism, that's basically what, it comes, what it's coming down to. And, and that's why, and it goes back to a lot of people, a lot of more people with more conservative political viewpoints being extremely concerned with the outcomes of what happened in this past election season. Now, yes, you know, let's, let's, let's be purely you know, purely democratic here. And, and I don't mean democratic by the political party. Let's, let's be completely open political about this. I mean, this is how our, our voting system works. Works. This is how our, our, you know, we elect government officials. It is what it is. Um, and you deal with it. But at the same time, when you consider the rather radical viewpoints of the Democrats at this point in time, it's a major concern for a lot of people. It's a major concern for people who, who see the United States as being a country that works together with one another to get shit done. And we've done that for 250 years. We, we've done a lot to get things done. Um, but with this particular political party in power, it's very concerning for a lot of Americans. Because this political party has demonstrated, not over the past four years, at least over the past 20 years, that they are willing to catapult the country into more of a communist or socialist type of government. 
they're willing to do away with our constitution. Don't let anybody fool you and tell you that they love the country and they, the constitution, all this other shit. It's complete bullshit as far as I'm concerned. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. I, I do not believe any Democrats at all that they supposedly love the constitution. I don't. They haven't demonstrated that to me. And that's what concerns me about having them controlling the House, the Senate, and the presidency at this point in time. But what do you think is going to be the first agenda? I don't know. I have no idea, but it's probably not going to be a good one. Well, we've got four years to find out. Yeah. If we make it that far, if we make it through COVID. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I know, I know, uh, I know. Biden said was throwing around the idea of hiring uh, Beto O'Rourke as his guns are, gun confiscations are. That's not going to go over well at all. No, you, you want to see a real think, revolution start, right? You think the you think the capital got taken yesterday? Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. It, but, I mean, because I mean, the thing is, is even when it goes like when, as far as you know, guns go. You have people on both sides of the aisle that that carry. I mean, but the thing is, is that it's the policy, it's the lawmakers, the ones that are going to be making decisions. I mean, I know people that are that are very left leaning individuals, and they, they're, you know, they believe in their first, Second Amendment. You know, they carry. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's one of those good things. For them and, and they should. I mean, it's it's their American right to to keep and bear arms, as it is for every American. I mean, like. You know, I, a lot, I, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't really, I, I have such a difficult time understanding why people are so opposed to the idea. They're like, oh, well, you know, that, that was for the Revolutionary War and, and we don't live in those times anymore. We live in those times every fucking day. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is, you know, you take a city like Chicago, it's supposed to have the strictest gun laws and look how many shootings are there every weekend. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, criminals don't follow your laws they just don't that's that's why they're criminals it's it's the very basis for why they are who they are because they don't give a shit about your laws so what are you doing all you're doing is disarming law-abiding citizens people who who want to adhere to to the law so what are you doing you're leaving them you're leaving your law-abiding citizens more vulnerable to the criminals and on, on a bigger scale, you are you are disarming your country altogether to foreign adversaries that don't care about me or you. They don't give a shit where your political party is. They just want to see the country burnt to the fucking ground. Right, but that was one of the reasons why Japan didn't want to invade the United States was because there were so many citizens that were armed back then. Well, yeah, and that, and that was I, I think I think a lot of that was was more of a rumor, but it, it's it's kind of interesting to to think about it. You know the 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 rumor was that that the uh, the the um, not the king of of Japan who the hell was it the, yeah the emperor of Japan you know once he saw their success with with Pearl Harbor you know uh, uh, talked to one of his head admirals or generals of the the military in Japan or the imperial army in Japan and he said you know our next step is to invade the U.S. homeland and the general or admiral you know, retorted by saying that would be a very bad idea. And the emperor said, well, why? You know, we had such success at Pearl Harbor. And he said, because behind every blade of grass in the United States is a citizen with with a rifle. And 
you know, basically what it boils down to is that we are one of the most heavily armed countries on the face of the earth from our citizens or a citizenry perspective. You know, our million man army is not going to is not going to be a saving our saving grace if if a major military uh, adversary tries to invade us. It's our citizens that are heavily armed that will definitely will definitely fight back. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I hate to I hate to put it like in the perspective of Red Dawn, but realistically, I, I know that that's fictional work, but realistically, that's really what will what'll come down to. You'll have guerrilla warfare in the streets. Oh, so that, 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 I mean, if we're seeing we it in other countries when we go there, I mean, Iraq, I saw Iraq has a, a warrant out for Trump's arrest also. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't I don't think he'll go there anytime soon. Yeah, he's not turning himself in. <laughs> Let's see here. Mar-a-Lago or Iraq to turn myself in. I think yeah. I'm going to go with, maybe it was Iran. It was probably, it might've been Iran because there was that whole military leader that was killed there last year around this time. Um, I'm looking 769 murders in Chicago. Yeah. 769. That's up from 495 in 2019. How are those laws working out for you? How are those gun control laws? How is the city? Really well. Yeah. The COVID lockdowns are working well. Everybody's staying mm-hmm. home. Yep. Yeah, which which gives the the stray bullets an an easier target to hit, unfortunately. Yeah. <sighs> Crazy times, man. Crazy times. Oh, that's that's another statement. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think the United States is doing with this whole vaccination rollout? Uh, I mean, I think the rollout with the vaccination is going fairly well. Now, the issue is are we vaccinating a, a good number of people the way we should be? And well, the answer is still is, unclaimed doses. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently there's a lot of healthcare workers who were the first line to get vaccinated are, are still in opposition of the, of the vaccine. I, it's baffling to me, to be honest. I really don't, I really don't understand. And a lot of it is really people want to, want to wait to see if there's any other side effects that, that emerge from the early, early, wave of vaccines if you will I, I don't know what you're waiting for i don't know like what like you know like people are saying well what about long-term side effects well i mean tell me exactly what long-term side effects are going to happen i i i um it's it, it baffles I me too i mean what is the side effect what is one of the big major what is one of the major symptoms and side effects of covid death oh there's a- right <laughs> death is yeah, pretty i mean much that's a- that that's the ultimate side effect U.S. has its third straight deadliest day of COVID-19 pandemic as experts mull expanding vaccination distribution. This is from six minutes ago. Awesome. I'm just trying to find out how many vaccinations were actually dispensed so far, and I can't find an actual I think, number. I think about 3 million, which puts us at about 1% of our total population. Oh, so we're almost there. I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this pace, we have another, um, I'm trying to do the math really quickly in my head, like another 24 years, maybe, before we vaccinate everybody for COVID. <laughs> All right. So we're right on track. The uh, The crazy thing is, is, you know, I, I came across that this uh, statistic and I, I asked you about if you knew about it. And this is just in regards to Israel. It's vaccinating. It's yeah. so vast. It's going so fast that it's running out of vaccines. It's the best rollout in the world currently. Yeah, um, so began, far, it began on December 20th, 1.4 at the time I, I took this note, which was yesterday, I suppose, probably up to around 1.6 or even higher. 
um, they've been vaccinated, their population is 9 million. So obviously they're, uh, they have a much higher percentage wise. Um, obviously their 9 million is not much in comparison to our, what is it, 383 million people that we have. Um, but the thing is, is the experts there, they're saying that it, despite the fact that they're unrolling this vaccination so fast, there's a very high potential that they're going to end up going into another lockdown. Now, do you think that them going into a lockdown now is just kind of overtly cautious or? I think a lot of it is to try to buy time, to be honest. Um, I don't know about being overly cautious. I think it's just to buy time because I was reading an article on that just, just before we, we started recording. And, um, and I heard that they're, they're trying to delay any vaccines between January 10th and the 31st, which would be that, that three-week mark between the first and second vaccine for people getting it the latest on January 10th. So their, their whole thing, I think the, the idea of, of having another lockdown is to, really, is to really try to buy time for the first wave of people who have gotten vaccinated to ensure that they get their second dose. So that, that's what I think it really comes down to, to be, to be quite honest. Do you see something like that being beneficial here? Um, delaying vaccine? No. Um, basically going into lockdowns. Now, I don't want to see us going into a lockdown, obviously. I don't want to see businesses suffer any more than they already were. Take that out of the equation. Lockdown. Um, while the vaccination is being distributed. Pros, cons? Well, what do you mean by pros and cons? Well, obviously, I think I answered my own question there. I mean, if you have everybody <laughs> locked down, it's not going to be spreading very, very much. But the thing is, is then you're dealing with the mental health of everybody just being locked down and, and you know, secluded from one another. There's no human interaction. And granted, you know, we're able to, to do this podcast once in a while, you know, through, through the use of Zoom, which, I yep. mean, until this pandemic started, I didn't even know what the hell Zoom was there was skype which by the way skype you really dropped the ball on this people were calling zoom skype for the first three weeks until it caught on that this was actually called zoom you had years and years of being skype and you couldn't capitalize on this opportunistic right uh, you yeah, dropped the ball there's, there. there's microsoft teams there's go to meeting there's webex there's skype or well i mean you know just like you said skype dropped the ball but i mean zoom zoom just like fucking took off during this pandemic Right, Everybody's seriously. Everybody's using Zoom for everything now, but yeah, I mean, even FaceTime was called Zoom, or for, or excuse me, FaceTime was called Skype for a little while until it got, you know, until it caught on where you know people were using it, and it said FaceTime when they brought it up. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but there, there's so many, you know, f things that you deal with in regards to going through a lockdown. It just, it, I don't think, I think, you know, the citizens would rebel. You know, and already, you know, I'm yeah, seeing... I mean, if, you, if, you, if you think storming of the Capitol yesterday was was bad news, try locking us down again and see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's crazy, especially, you know, we have these new variants even here in Connecticut where they're finding a new variant um, that's yep. supposed to be um, more contagious. But are we seeing anything about any harsher um, infections in regards to it, or is it just the fact that it's more contagious? 
So the, the and by saying it's more contagious, how is it more contagious? So apparently it it's it has a better so my understanding is that the virus has a better affinity for lack of better description sticking to our cells. Um, so the, the virus uses the spike protein, which is what the, the, the vaccines, um, the mRNA in the vaccines are used to encode for. So they use our cells machinery to produce the spike protein itself by itself, not the whole virus, just the spike protein. So then our body's immune system can recognize it as a foreign entity, if you will, and then produce an immune response to it in the form of, of antibodies. Um, Supposedly, these new variant, or this new variant, which is B B one one seven, I think that's the that's the clade of virus that that they that they refer to. For it's B point one point one point seven or something like that. If somebody wants to wants to look it up and get a little more information on it, so apparently it's it just it's just able to stick to our cells a little easier, um, and I guess it's just more efficient at being spread from one person to another. So that in and of itself makes it more contagious. Um, but they've done some review, some retrospective reviews on infections from this particular uh, variant of the virus or this mutant, this mutation in the virus in comparison to the original, we'll say coronavirus that's been spreading throughout the world over the past 10 months or so or 12 months. Um, and they found no difference in severity of illness or in mortality. So it seems to be like you could get just as sick, probably no difference in, 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 in severity of illness, if you will, between this strain and the, uh, what's considered to be the wild type strain or the one that, that's been circulating the globe for the past year or so. Um, so I guess that's probably the only positive piece of information to take out of it. Um, but, you know, our current measures that we're using in terms of social distancing, wearing masks, uh, washing your hands on a regular basis, trying to keep away from one another, not congregating indoors in large groups, um, and our current therapeutics and the vaccine uh, should help with curbing the spread of this particular variant of the virus itself. So, I uh, you know, it's it's a problem because, like I said, it's it, it can spread easier, but I don't think it's a major, major problem from a mortality and morbidity standpoint. Hmm. Well, that's that something sense? that most people are concerned with that and the fact that they, they hear a new variant and they think all of a sudden the vaccines that we had are just going to go out the window. They're not going to be they're not going to work. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's the case. I mean, there, there's no indication right now that the current vaccines that are out that encode for a certain mRNA are going to be, or that encode ultimately for a, a certain spike protein on the, on the coronavirus itself, that they're going to be any less effective. Now, you could kind of consider this to be kind of like an antigenic drift, which is what is seen as an in influenza every season. But I would remind the audience that although every year you have to get a new flu shot because you have a lot of antigenic drift between the different subtypes of influenza every year, just because of shared mutations that it goes through naturally. Um, so if you got your vaccine last year and you've been exposed to influenza this year, whether it's influenza A or influenza B, depending on the, on the subtype from there, um, the vaccine that you got last year 
still may offer you some protection against the viruses that are circulating this year for influenza. That's where you kind of see those figures of the past few years. Oh, the flu shot is only 40% effective, 48% effective. What they mean by that is that you don't have an exact match between the virus used in the vaccine and the virus that's actually circulating in the population during the endemic. Um, so those are things to consider. So the, the, the COVID vaccine that we have now, let's, let's say that there is a vast difference between what the mRNA and the vaccine encodes for in terms of the spike protein and the spike protein on this new variant being slightly different. The antibodies that you produce from the vaccine should still cover you to a certain degree uh, to the new variant of the vaccine in COVID. I hope that's the case because I just want this to be over. I think everybody wants it to be over. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to a few people about this and, you know, I, like I've said on multiple occasions on this program on, on, and talking with other people, even on social media, I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm an infectious disease specialist. This is, this is part of who I am. I, I get it. I understand it's very logical to me for, for what we're doing. I have no problem with it. But even for somebody like me, I'm fucking sick and tired of it. I, I want to go out to a restaurant. I, I, you know, I had my anniversary in May, had my birthday in April, had my wife's birthday in September, had my son's birthday on New Year's Eve. I like to go out to a restaurant with my family and, and go have a good time. Just, you know, nothing crazy. Just want to go out and, and, and just enjoy something different. Get out of the house. Yeah. I, I, I just hate the fact that every time I have a sniffle, I, I, I'm <laughs> rushing to get a PCR test. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, yeah, I got exactly. one the other day. I mean, I had to, I woke up on Sunday. I had to work Sunday night. I felt a little congested and I had to take a sick day. Uh, and like, it, just because I felt a little, little sick, you know what I mean? Just because yeah. I don't want to be that guy that brings it to the office and spreads it around to everybody. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to have that on my shoulders. So, you know, I was able to schedule a rapid test for the following day, the place that I went to. Fortunately, they did the actual PCR tests for the rapid test and then just do the, what is it, the antigen? Is that what the other one is? The, the Typically, it's done for the rapid test. There's one that's better question. than the other. Um, yeah, that's a good question. But the, 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 uh, the physician's assistant, when she came in, when she was, she was doing, she's like, she kept asking, like, why I needed it. Why did I need the rapid test done? Because I want to know if I'm sick. Seems like yeah. pretty st- straightforward. I was like, yeah, and also, I mean, I, I'm gonna go to work. I, I gotta, I'm, I'm a central employee. I've got to go to work. I don't care. So, you know, she let me know that there's two different kinds of tests for the, as far as the rapid goes, and they they don't have to send it out to a lab, and they do basically the lab test there, which is the PCR test. So I think it's called the antigen test, the other one, but they say it's not as accurate. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the exact numbers, I don't know to be quite honest. Um, one is faster than the other, but I mean, we have a lot of tests like that in medicine. Yeah. But it's I like felt fine. A, yeah. The second day, I, I felt fine. For, so when I went to take the test, I was like, you know, I feel a little run down, but when I, it's my work week, man. It's, it's par for the course, man. I'm always a little bit tired. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure exactly. anybody, any any working American could relate to that. But you know, I felt a little bit better. And then somebody at work, you know, they asked me, they're like, "Oh, were you sick yesterday?" I was, well, you know, I mean, I felt a little something. If it was two thousand. January, you know, January 4th, 2000, I would have just came to work, you know, 2020, yeah. 2020, I would just came to work, 
but yeah. now with 2021 forget it it's a whole new ball yeah. of wax totally different ball game you feel a little sniffle you got to stay your ass home yeah and it's funny it's funny you mentioned that in terms of the timeline I, I look back on on my facebook timeline and i had posted the for the 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 first time i had posted about about the coronavirus outbreak was on january 6 2000 2020 Seems like January sixth are always good, full of good uh, surprises. Good yeah, <laughs> surprise. They're they're full of uh, apocalyptic messages. Um. Yeah. So it, it um. Yeah. So I I look back. That was the first time that I had had posted it on Facebook, and the mainstream media hadn't even picked up on it at that point in time. And it, it was, and to be fair, it was only about a week since since it was first really being reported out of China. But I, I, I remember clearly posting, you know, God only knows what this is going to turn out to be. And a year later, we're in literally the worst pandemic we've seen since the Spanish flu 102 years ago. Yeah. How do you think we come out of this? What do you think life's going to be like? I mean, it's, it's eventually going to get back to normal. It's, you know, like, yeah, but I think this sets us up for like, you know, last century we had the roaring twenties. I think we're going to have our own roaring twenties. <laughs> everybody, you know, the, once the masks come off, the wheels come off. Yeah. It's going to be like a, a hedonism all, all over again. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't know. What the hell do I know? I yeah. Know I mean, we're, we're not going to have the whole prohibition thing to to get over imagine if prohibition was existing in, in during the course of this pandemic well, that would have been a fucking nightmare for us alcohol sales are through the roof right now i mean well i we not as much as it was early on yeah i mean we wouldn't have anything to talk about at the very beginning of every podcast i know that's what basically gets the ball rolling I, exactly it's like the lifeblood of uh, of ocho and the Civ. i can't live like that yeah, it's, it's 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 not a way not a way to live at all. No, we'd have to find something else, like fucking sniffing model glue or something. I have my I have my, uh, <laughs> my 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 medical marijuana certificate, so <laughs> yeah. I'm good with that. That way, <laughs> I think your way is a little bit more practical. Than <laughs> sniffing glue or, <laughs> or fucking huffing paint. Oh my god, I can't believe people actually do that. Oh God! Have you have you ever done anything like that? Have you ever done like whippets or something? No, you know I, I just like when uh, I remember I would help my father build models when I was a kid. That was like our our bonding thing. And I remember <laughs> the the glue like it just I, it smelled so awful like my eyes would water. I didn't want anything to do with it. Whippets, <laughs> whippets. I tried to whip it once, and like I was probably like twenty one. And I just remember going off. It was really, really spacey. It wasn't really my thing. I didn't really, but I, I there's a buddy of mine who used to love those things. Any party really? you went to when they were there, oh yeah, you know them. <laughs> That's awesome. You know who it is. <laughs> I mean, the the only thing that that kind of pissed me off about whippets is that the 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 can of of the whipped cream that we that we did it from was uh. You know, it was basically flat afterwards. You couldn't get any actual whipped cream out of the can. Oh, see, this was like, uh, they were like, I don't know, little cartridges. Yeah. And it went yeah, into like, like a balloon and then it was yeah. from the balloon. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think it was like, uh, so it's, it's, it's almost like laughing gas. 
basically yeah yeah i don't know it wasn't <laughs> enjoyable to me um i didn't like that disconnected weird feeling yeah like, just I, I don't know i was always afraid like i'll pass out and smash my head on the ground <laughs> like not only are you eating away brain cells from the gas itself but you're also playing basketball with your cranium on the floor yeah. That can't exactly. be a good combination. <laughs> Bouncing your squash off the ground. Yeah. Like you said, laughing gas plus cranium smash equals fucking <laughs> digging ditches the rest of your career. You're... If, if, if you ever actually had laughing gas for, for like a, for a procedure? No. Uh, actually, maybe. I think so. I think when I had my wisdom teeth removed. Yeah. I think yeah, that, that I used it that I don't know it was it described as local anesthesia I just remember yeah. like being completely out of it yeah. and hearing all the crunching going around when he was pulling out my my yeah. wisdom teeth and then like basically like he he left the room and I'm just like oh, I guess I gotta get up so like a good thing the dental assistant was walking by as I'm like starting to get up because I would have fell right down. She's just yeah. like, I just remember like seeing her like with her arms extended, like running towards me, like, no, don't. Yeah, that, that, that happened to me when I had my wisdom teeth taken out um, maybe eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. Oh, wow. Late. Um, what's that? Late. Yeah. I was, I was well into my thirties when I, when I finally got them done. I think I was like um, 20. Yeah, I was I was in my early 30s at that point, but uh, I remember getting the laughing gas, and I'm sitting there. I got the mask on and I'm breathing, and like I, I was expecting to feel something weird, like you know, like you kind of like get this like you know this kind of you know like I don't know high feeling if you will, and um, and I'm just sitting there just waiting. And the dental assistant is like you know prepping all the tools and all this other stuff, and I literally just started laughing for no reason. I'm like, wow, I guess the laughing gas really fucking works to make me laugh at least. Yeah, I mean, see, that's I, the part I don't know that how... I don't remember. Of course, it was 20 years ago, so. Yeah, I was just like, I'm sitting there. I'm like waiting. I'm breathing. It's been like five minutes. I'm like expecting to feel something at that point. And I just started laughing uncontrollably. I, I really don't know what, like there was nothing funny going on, but I just started laughing. And I'm like, well, I guess that's why I fucking call it laughing gas. Yeah. But then then the the, the dentist comes in and he's looking at me. He's like, "Oh, you're still awake?" I was like, "I was like, yeah." I'm like, "I'm just laughing over here. I don't know what the fuck is going on." He's he's, he's a cool guy. He's like, "All right, well, we're we're gonna give you some Versed, which is which is a, a benzodiazepine. It's it's um it's uh it's, it's um it's like a add it's like a clonopin. Like clonopin would be one, right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a sedative. So it's it's used a lot for. For anesthesia it's used a lot for sedation and icu if the patient has to be has to be um ventilated and all that other stuff it's very very good at sedation he's like oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to fix this now i was like yes please just do it and and they put the the you know they, they put an iv in me and he gives me i don't know maybe up to five milligrams of versed and within like you know seconds i start feeling it. i'm like all right peace out and i just passed out <laughs> Yeah, there's only a couple of times like there was that, but like I said, I, I was awake. I was completely out of it, but I was awake. And then the only other time I, I had a surgery done once and I got put out for that. Yeah. And it's funny, like I, I still remember that. I was maybe 22. I had a hernia. And uh, I remember I was excited because the New York Rangers just got back Alexei Kovalev, my favorite player growing up. 
was a kid. Loved watching this guy play. And the Rangers just got him back the night before. And so I'm laying on the, I'm laying on the gurney and I'm getting wheeled into the operating room and they just started giving me the gas and everything. And I remember that I was so excited. Like the doctor mentioned something about it. He was talking to one of his assistants. He's like, Oh yeah, the Rangers got back Alexei Koval. I was like, yeah, let's talk about that. And I start talking and next thing you know, I'm waking up. Yeah. 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 When when you're in medicine, you kind of, you kind of know what to expect. And I remember uh, going for, uh, had an endoscopy a few years ago, six, six years ago, actually had an endoscopy and, um, it was at the hot last hospital I used to work at, and I knew the the gastroenterologist, I knew the anesthesiologist, the nurse that was taking care of me. I'd worked with them, you know. We we worked take care of other patients, and then that day I happened to be a patient, and um, and I'm I'm in the 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 procedure room to get my endoscopy, and you know, same thing. They start putting the laughing gas on me. I start laughing again for no for no real reason. Best comedy and, club ever. Exactly, and then they started giving me propofol. Propofol was the stuff that that Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that white liquid that that they it, it almost looks like milk. And uh, and they started injecting it, and I looked down. I was like, "Oh, you guys give me the 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 uh, the propofol now?" The anesthesiologist was like, "Yeah," and I and like you can you literally within seconds you start feeling it. You kind of get tingly all over. Your eyelids get heavy, and I I I looked at them. I was like, "All right." I'll see you guys. Peace. And I was out. The next thing I wake up in the recovery room, the nurse is taking care of me. So it's crazy how you guys have it dialed down into, you know, use the expression of science. I remember I was, uh, I was dating somebody and she had to go in for an endoscopy and a, so which one goes down through the throat? Colonoscopy. No, colonoscopy goes through your through your bum. Through your bum. Okay. So she had to have both of them done. And I made a joke. I'm like, well, I hope they do the endoscopy first. It's going to be the same one. She was not amused. Like she didn't think it was funny at all. But so I remember, you know, she asked me. And and so you guys are no longer together is what you're saying. Needless to say, that wasn't the reason. There was plenty of other reasons. Um, So she, uh, I, I get there. I, you know, I gave her a ride home after she had the procedure done. I had gotten out of work, uh, working third shift. I got out in the morning and I just, I went up there to to pick her up and to just bring her home, get her set. And I remember going there and, you know, they were waiting for me and, you know, they, they she walks me and she's like, oh yeah, she should be up in a couple minutes. Like you just took her off of this stuff and you know, for a fact, it, like, it's just going to take a couple minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So I got in there, I sat down and like, like within literally two minutes, just she starts yeah. waking up. She was out of it for a little while, just no energy, but like she was alert. Yeah. But it was yeah. Propofol, propofol is an absolutely amazing anesthetic. I mean, like it's it's onset is very quick, and once you shut it off, somebody can wake up literally within a couple minutes. It's very, very impressive on how well it works. And it's a very, very deep sleep that you go into, like you don't you don't know, like you don't dream, you don't know a goddamn thing that happened to you. So like the different like, phases of sleep, it's slow wave, essentially. I, I don't, I, I don't know. It's a, that's a great question. But I, when I had my hip surgery back in 2013, um, same thing, like they, they gave me Versed when I was still in the, in the prep room, if you will, before I went into the actual operating room, they gave me like, um, 
like long acting morphine to take by mouth just for pain control for afterwards and a bunch of other things, Tylenol, some other stuff. And, um, and they gave me Versed and the Versed doesn't hit you. It doesn't hit you right away. It doesn't hit you within seconds, within about a minute or two, you really start feeling it. And by the time I got to the operating room, I started feeling it. And, um, then they started giving me, they were going to start giving me propofol, but they had to give me spinal anesthesia too, to really numb me from the waist down, uh, which helps a lot with, with, with pain control. Obviously, you know, if they're going to rip your fucking hip apart, you know, obviously you want, you want some pretty good pain control there. But I remember getting up on the, on the operating, operating room table. There's probably like, you know, five, six, maybe seven people in there just assisting with the surgery. And the surgeon's like, all right, lean forward. We're going to give you spinal anesthesia. And the interesting thing about Versed is that although it's a sedative, the, the, the benzodiazepines kind of make you not care about what's going on. And like in my mind, I know I'm getting a, a, a needle that's probably about three inches long stuck into my spine, into my spinal cord to numb the lower half of my body. And after, and you know, to, you know, and somebody who's completely lucid, you're like, holy fuck, I'm getting a spinal tap needle shoved into my, into my spinal column. I, this, I'm, I'm going to die. I, it, the weird thing about being on Versed is that you, you understand what's going to happen to you, but you just don't care. And then they started pushing the propofol on me and just, I, I, I was out. Next thing you know, I wake up, I'm in the recovery room. And I'm coming out of anesthesia. And I was like, what the hell just happened to me? And they're like, oh, no, you're done. I'm like, done. I'm like, I, that was like a couple minutes. They're like, no, that was about an hour and a half that you were out. I'm like, holy shit. And I was literally still paralyzed from the waist, from the waist down. Couldn't feel anything, couldn't move anything for probably about another two hours. So I finally got um, feeling and function back in my, in my legs. That's it, was, crazy. It, was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So 2021. It's off to a great yeah. start. Yeah, It's off to an amazing start. I love the fact that you titled the last, well, in your little uh, summary of the last episode, when you posted it, talked about how 2020 bombed. Like it was a, yeah. like it was a, it was supposed to be this big blockbuster, which I know for myself when 2020 hit, you know, I watched the ball drop. I was off uh, for new year's last year and I was able to watch it and I was so excited. I was like, you know what? Kind of made myself this little promise. I was like, you know what? It's 2020. It's just how I'm going to see my life. I'm going to see my life 2020. I'm just going to take a perfect vision. And boy, did I get an introspective view of myself over the course of 2020? I didn't expect any of that shit, but you know what? It's, it's one year. We kind of, you know, we went through, I think we learned a lot about ourselves if we were able yeah. to make it through it. Hopefully we made it through it with all, all, all of our family members and, you know, we didn't suffer too much, uh, but you know, I, I think it was a, it was a rough year psychologically for a lot of people. And, and it's, it's not just the pandemic or not, not just the fact that we had a virus going around making people very sick, but just the psychology behind it, which is, you know, I need to, now I need to wear a mask. That's part of my normal life now. I need to stay away from people that I'm otherwise typically social with. Um, so it was, it really was a life-changing year for, for almost everybody throughout the world. It's not, not just, you know, small people or a small number of people here in the United States. It was a major issue for a lot of people throughout the world. 
And then here specifically in the U.S., just we've been gone. We've gone through just one thing after another um, in terms of like the, the riots that occurred over the summer and the impeachment that occurred toward the end of toward, um, uh, toward the end of the year and all this other stuff. It's just been or not not the, not the end of the year, the beginning of the year in yeah. 2020 has just been just a nightmare altogether. And a lot of people are just like, oh, thank God 2021 is here. And now we got this shit show to start. So. <laughs> Dude, I love, you know, we, we always talk about memes, I feel like. Um, to incorporate itself into the the title of our podcast, the Ocho and the Civ discuss memes for two hours. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> But there was a... There was the one. It was like you know, twenty twenty was a shit show, and twenty twenty one came along and said, "Hold my beer." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I saw that one too. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> memes are plenty. Or I mean, the past couple of days, if anything, it, it's been memes are plenty. It's terrible to see what happened in Washington D.C. Uh, yeah. My thoughts and prayers go out to the family of those who, who passed away. Like I said, four people to, in total now. It didn't have to be this way. It, it shouldn't have been this way. Um, I don't know. I hope we do better going forward. I think this was, a, I think this, this, I, I think, and I hope, and I really believe that this was a chin check moment where, you know, because in all intents and purposes, aside from the people that really stormed it, and then there's the, the couple people that don't understand what that kind of violence, if you will, or an incident like that, people that, that sit on, on their, their, you know, on their computers posting and everything that don't really understand what it's like. And they, they, they celebrate that kind of behavior that have never actually been involved in anything that has a mob mentality, if you will. I mean, last episode we were talking about concerts and everything and how was at that rage against the machine concert when they basically tore the fucking facility down. Um, being in there and working in the kind of environment that I've been in where you're running to where individuals have in some instances stabbed each other. You know what I mean? Um, when you're exposed to that, it kind of makes you look at things a little bit differently and nobody that sees that kind of behavior is going to applaud it because they understand what it is on a, uh, what it does to you psychologically being there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why, like, you know, you talk about, and I'm not saying, you know, things that I experienced, in, in my line of work or similar to what a, what a soldier would go through on the front lines. I'm not saying that, but, but you have a perspective. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Because, you know, you run into these keyboard gangsters, people that have never been chin checked before people that have never been, you know, that have never watched somebody die. I mean, these are things that you kind of go through and, you know, there's people that and, were there yesterday that saw four people die. And, and it's not even, it's not even dying. It's dying violently. Exactly. Very bad. I, I personally have never, I've never experienced that. I mean, I, I was there when, when my father passed away, I, I felt for, I, I saw his last breath. I was there when his heart took its last beat. I, I felt for a, for a pulse and I didn't feel one anymore. That in and of itself is a very traumatic experience to, to experience something like that. I, I saw an elderly man get CPR in the ICU of the hospital I worked out and he passed away right in front of us. Uh, and it was, it was kind of, it was a shocking moment for me, mm-hmm. but I've never seen somebody get killed violently. And that I think is the ultimate is really the ultimate consequence, if you will, of humanity. When you get when when your life gets taken away from you in a very 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 violent fashion, right? Basically, you know. And yesterday was a very 
a very small taste of what what can possibly come of all this. But I, I, just like you're saying, you know, you have a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, you know, these the, the, these keyboard warriors that that want to incite violence and all this other stuff. But they've never experienced about, it themselves. Exactly. I, I was telling my wife earlier, um, I, was, I was listening to a, a Joe Rogan podcast a while back, and he had on a former Navy SEAL, Andy Stumpf. Yeah, uh, I think you talked about own, this before. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've talked about this. And, and Joe Rogan, like, you know, this was before all this happened, before the, 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 the riots and all this other stuff. You know, they're talking about how, how people on either side are, are calling for civil war and all this other stuff. And, and Andy Stumpf was like, he's like, you know, I've, I've been through this. He's like, I've, I've seen the worst of humanity being in, you know, being a Navy SEAL and being in, in the, in the thick of the, of the war in the Middle East and all this other stuff. And he's like, and it's pretty much as high consequence as you could possibly get when it comes to humanity. Um, he's like, and it's not pretty. He said, it's not something that, that, that the average person wants to see. He said, I joined the military and I decided to join that fight overseas so that fight didn't come here to our streets he said and yet people are calling for it to come to our streets right now he said they have absolutely no idea what they're asking for no absolutely no idea and that's that's a problem you know when you when you're calling for that and not really understanding what the true consequences of it are going to be you really need to stop and and really and, and ask yourself if this is really something that you want. Yeah. And I I'm think, a, okay. No, I, I was going to say, I would suspect the majority of, of Americans don't want something like that. But unfortunately we do have factions on either side that, that want absolutely nothing but that to happen. No, and that's, I, that's very sad. You're right. You're right. And I actually, I took this clip and it was just a, a little meme I saw, but it was from that conversation. And this is a quote from Joe Rogan. It's just, what's the number of veterans in this country? I mean, it's got to be more like a, more than a million, right? There are so many people in this country that really understand violence and they're not the ones calling for violence. See, this yeah. is just exactly what I was just saying. It's the people that have actually experienced it. They, they're not the ones that are calling for it because they've already seen it. Yeah. But this goes on. They're not the punching Nazi people. The people that really understand the violence, that have seen the violence, have committed violence for their country. Those are the motherfuckers that you break glass in case of war you need them and people don't understand that those people running around calling for violence calling for revolution you're going to see open a door that you can never close and when those soldiers come pouring out of that door and defend what they think is an attack on their freedoms and their country you're fucked yeah and i couldn't say it any better myself i mean yeah i remember him saying he's like you know there's a lot of people like me in the special in the special operations community that that don't want to see any of this happen but if it does happen, we're going to want to come off the bench. Like those were his exact words. Yeah. And he's yeah like, I think you might have said that to me. Yeah. And he said, if, if that happens, these people that are calling for violence are going to wish they, they never did because they have no idea what they're asking for. Yeah. Well, it's, hopefully it uh, doesn't get to that. And hopefully we, we get to the point where we realize that cooler heads need to prevail uh, mm-hmm. for, our, for our own good. And, you know. Yes, sir. Yeah, I don't know. I'm over it. I'm over that. I'm over the coronavirus. I just want to go to watch a hockey game in the stands in person. Exactly. Five dollar beer night. Yeah. Like the yeah, like the like the the US men's uh junior team that that won uh won gold against Canada the other night. 
Yeah, congratulations to them. I wish that? I watched it. I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it. No, I didn't. I, I, I didn't even know. I didn't it was even know on. it was on. No, of course. After yeah. everybody's a Team USA fan, but nobody talked about the damn tournament until that day. Exactly. Yeah. Did Did you hear the controversy behind it though? No. What do you got? Oh God. So so apparently, uh, when when Team USA went to do their their team photo after, you know, after the the game on the ice. What's the matter? They weren't social distancing. No, th- so that what they did is that they brought a big barrel onto the ice and it had um, uh, the Canadian flag on it, like a picture of the Canadian flag. Right, and-, and some people, some people took it as as Team USA was saying that Canada was garbage, and I guess a lot of Canadians took offense to that. But apparently, there's a backstory to it. So the guy who was named MVP, I forgot what what his what his name was. He said there was a whole backstory to it, and it wasn't just with Canada. He said, he said what they did is that before every game, they had one of these barrels. It was kind of like a big 55-gallon barrel, kind of like what's used like for oil and stuff like that. And he said, we, we put the flag of the country that we're playing against on these barrels because for us, it was, you know, let's not think about this tournament as being like this big overwhelming thing. Let's take it as one step at a time, kind of like, you're crossing the Sahara desert and all you have to think about is getting to the next barrel full of water or something like that to get you to, to get you across the, to get you across the vast desert. He said, so for us, it was take it one step at a time, take it one team, one country at a time in terms of what you have to go after. And so that was our symbol. And it was, it was verified apparently in in one of the, one of the emails that was going, going uh, uh, through, through the team and all this other stuff. But the media took that and ran with it as, oh, the USA is disrespecting Canada. And it was just, it's just ridiculous to hear that when, when you actually go in and, and hear the backstory behind what, what it all symbolized. And you had a lot of con- Canadians that were like, you know what, this, this is stupid. Um, USA played a great game. If, if, if you don't want to be subject to, to being a laughingstock, then maybe you should play better hockey. So basically, they're they're criticizing their own team and hmm. saying, you know, well done USA, you guys did a good job, you deserve it. This this doesn't mean anything to us. Yeah, your boys need to step it up. This is just like that whole thing that's going on in the NFL the last week of the season with this. I think uh, they, they were saying that the Philadelphia Eagles threw the game, and when they ended up losing, it ended up costing the New York Giants a spot in the in the playoffs. Like my whole thing, like. It, if you're depending on another team to win or lose, you didn't do your job. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Hold yourself accountable, man. It's not up to other people to get you across the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. You're responsible for yourself and that's it. You can't rely on others to do shit for you. Yeah. I don't know. You know who it's up to though? It's up to those damn people unrolling this vaccine to get it out faster. Well, I mean, they're they're doing it fast. It's just the jackasses here that that want to wait and see for I don't know what. Uh, you know, th- those are those are the real problematic people. Yeah, I don't know why wouldn't you want to? I mean, I talked to a friend of mine in the the medical field, and they they got the they were posting a photo of themselves on social media getting the shot. And I was like, I I think that's cool that you did it. She's like, honestly, I was really nervous about getting it, but once I got it, like I just felt like a huge weight was taken off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. She's fine. I mean, I know somebody else who got it 
and they said that they they had some pain in their arm the next day, but this person they didn't. I don't know if one had the Pfizer, one had the Moderna, or, or who knows. But uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with it. But I mean, it, it's it's craziness. But the thing is, is like somebody else I know they they have a relative whose sister. Um, the relative is their sister, and, and I guess they're uh, they're a nurse, but they basically do all their all their meetings through the internet and occasionally they'll have to meet a, a patient in like a parking lot or something like that mm-hmm. but they were given a vaccine and that person like they, they were advertising all over the internet like hey look at me i got a vaccine you should get yours too <laughs> meanwhile the person like is at home not subjected to that they have a brother who works in the field of corrections and is working as an officer and at the time like there's an actual COVID unit in the facility that he works to. So like yeah. all the facilities in the state, if they have an inmate that is COVID positive and is symptomatic, they get sent to this one ward, right? Which he happens to work at. Okay. So he's around people with COVID. Has he gotten yeah. a shot? Probably not. No, no, he hasn't. But his sister, who sits in their living room and is doing Zoom calls, like you know, <laughs> that's who gets it. That's yeah. who gets it. It's fucking crazy how this whole thing is working. Yeah, I mean, it is. I, I, you know, like people have asked me if I've gotten it yet because I'm healthcare work. I'm like, well, technically, I don't. I don't work. I don't. I'm, I'm not in the trenches, so I don't necessarily. I'm not no. involved in direct patient you're care. Not, so I don't. You're not. You're not Blumenthal. You're not Murphy. You're not senators. You don't get yeah. the vaccine. Yeah, apparently not. I mean, I'm not that special yet, I guess. No, no. But you're also not having your office invaded. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you never know. You never know nowadays. This is but true. the thing is, I'll fucking shoot back. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for tonight. That's all I got. Well, I mean, we, we definitely have plenty we could talk about, but this would be uh, this would be a, probably a four-hour session and quite frankly i think you and i are both very tired yeah it's about midnight here on the east coast and we're hitting two hours and one minute you change yes so with that said thank you for listening to another episode of ocho and the civ podcast we appreciate you listeners and we appreciate the fact that we are acquiring new visitor new excuse me new listeners on a weekly basis si senor absolutely ocho and the civ at yahoo.com if you want to send us a question we don't have a website yet so despite what ocho tells you every week ocho and civ.com that doesn't exist you can certainly try to search it if you want but no uh, you know what in fact that's why i just left the whole thing to you this time because i was like i'm just gonna trip (laughs) over it and i've had two bourbons so we're not gonna run any risk of that nice yes sir all right folks tune in next week peace out word